dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. In chapter 9 of De Regno, Thomas Aquinas makes a startling discovery. He speaks about the reward that God is offering for the leader. And he ends by saying that the reward of the leader is to have God himself. This strikes me as important for us to understand the true nature of happiness, the true reason of why we're doing what we're doing. Well, hello, everybody. I'm just so pleased to be here with you. Thanks for coming today. Let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, there's something that really amazes me about St. Thomas's teaching. Here We're studying, of course, remember, looking at De Regno, which is On the King by Thomas Aquinas. And he strikes me here right between the eyes because he hits each one of us, I think, where we're most sensitive. Um, and, and that is in our quest for glory here below. It's in chapter 7, remember, when he goes through this. And he's looking at what the reward of the king is. All right? well, in other words, we're doing everything that we're doing as leaders. And we're putting ourselves out there. Some of us, because we're just addicted to it, right? You just can't help yourselves, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? You're just like, I was born this way. I just came out of my mother's womb, and there I started doing great things. And it's true. Some people, that's just how it is. Uh, and they're just addicted to the risk. They're addicted to the thrill. Okay, and that's fine. But most of us are doing it for a deeper reason. And we'd like to think that we're doing it for the deepest of reasons. And we know, of course, that the deeper the reason, the stronger the motivation. And with everything that we've got going on outside of us and inside of us today, we all need to tap into the deepest motivation in order to make it. I mean, it's pretty logical, right? It's, it says, if I have to make a strong fight for my life, I have to have a strong motivation. And the strength of motivation comes from the depth of reason, the depth of purpose, right? So. Aquinas really is going to help us here because I think for a lot of us, we want to think that we're doing it for the deepest of reasons, but there often will come a moment in our life in leadership and multiple moments actually where God shakes that 
and he makes us reanalyze why we're doing what we're doing. And that's always a good thing. It cannot seem that way. It can seem that we'd rather prefer that he not shake our reasoning too much because when, when you shake, it's almost like, like leadership is built on a pyramid, right? Our actions are at the top of it, but at the bottom of the pyramid is our purpose or our motivation. Right? So if, if you, you can shake the, the top of the actions all day long, and we just change, we move, you can move down and shake the resources underneath them, our emotions, okay? But when you shake purpose, you shake the earth upon which the entire pyramid stands. Our actions flow from our sense of purpose. And at the same time, by the same token, if you heighten that sense of purpose, focus in on that sense of purpose, augment that sense of purpose, you're going to have an impact on everything that stands above it, from your emotions to your resources to your actions. Right? The purpose is the, the, the foundation of leadership, which is why Thomas strikes so deeply here in chapters 8 and 9, because he goes right after in chapter 8, he starts talking about what, do we do what we do for the sake of human glory? And he answers, yes. Yes, we do. And when you're reading it, you kind of get the impression going like, oh gosh, Thomas is going to now tell us that this is somehow, you know, a great human thing to look for human glory. And that's not what he does, <laughs> obviously. I think we can see that coming. But when you're reading it, he kind of says, yes, because, and he quotes different philosophers, right, who speak about the, the importance of human glory and why this is something that most people seek, you know, and that, that glory seems like, a really good thing you know for example Tullius says the prince of the city should be nourished by glory right Aristotle says because the prince for whom honor and glory is not sufficient consequently turns into tyrant right so if you if you if you go for honor and glory you'll stay on the straight and narrow that's what Aristotle says but at the same time he then flips the tables on us and he says and yet it would seem silly to live for something that can be taken away by the very people you serve. And that's like a strikes, like a hammer blow, right? Because to live for something that can be taken away by the very people that we serve, it means that I, instead of me being free, I become a kind of slave because I'm living for something that depends on the opinions of others over me. And Thomas says this strikes him as being less than the qualities of a great man. He says a great soul feeds itself on freedom. A great soul feeds itself on freedom, not on slavery. And I just want you to challenge you with that word and to give that to you as something to think about as we enter into today's study. We're going to be looking all at what is the proper reward of the king according to Aquinas. But the, the entryway to there is so profound because elsewhere St. Thomas Aquinas will say when he's talking about Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics, he says that human glory is the greatest of all earthly goods. That means that it's no, nothing to trifle with here. It's deeply ingrained in each one of us. The highest thing that my, my humanity could look for is fame, reputation, and it's almost like a way of lasting forever. For the ancient Greeks, that's what honor was. Honor was you lasting for generations to come.
Okay, so it, it, we can't underestimate the power of, and the allure of this over us. We want to say, oh no, I'm impervious to that. It doesn't matter to me. But in fact, we, it does matter, right? And the more that I'm in touch with it, the more that I'm able to use it for what is good. And Aquinas finishes chapter eight by talking about that, saying that it's not so bad because if you want the opinions of good people, well then if you do good things to impress good people so that good people will reward you, at least you're doing good things. It's a great school towards virtue. But in fact, my friends, we know well that if we're only doing good things to get the, the accolades of good people, we have not yet entered into the ranks of true leadership. We are not yet fully adult and mature in who we are. Our own psychologies can remain at a level that's underdeveloped because our sense of autonomy and healthy individualism will not be developed until we do things not for the accolades of others or to win the approval of others, but because they are right and good in themselves. And to the degree that I do that, not only do I excel in happiness, but I also form the true roots of authentic leadership. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. St. Thomas goes even further in chapter 9 when he, then he says, well, if human glory is not what we're all supposed to be after, then what is? This is one of those most beautiful parts in the entire document. This is why the document itself is worth reading just this one section here, especially for us who are Christian leaders. Right? He says, it is proper that a king look to God for his reward. For a servant looks to his master for the reward of his service. The king is indeed the minister of God in governing the people. As the apostle says, all power is from the Lord God. Romans 13, 1. And God's minister is an avenger to execute wrath upon him who does evil. Romans 13, 4. And in the book of wisdom, Kings are described as being ministers of God. Well, that really intri intrigued me, right? Because I'm a little bit of a theologian. And so I said, my gosh, well, that's absolutely amazing. That, that you know, let me go and read that whole thing. So I want to I share with you what I, what I found because Thomas is, is great, but he goes, there's a depth to go to here. Take a look at Romans 13, for instance, a, a, a chapter a lot of you, I'm sure, are familiar with. He says, let everyone be subject to the higher authorities. For there exists no authority except from God, and those who exist have been appointed by God. Therefore, he who resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, for they that resist bring on themselves condemnations. For rulers are a terror not to the good work, but to the evil. Dost thou wish then not to fear the authority? Do what is good, and thou wilt have praise from it. For it is God's minister to thee for good. Now that's an incredible insight right there. So leaving behind all, all the rest of it, all authority comes from God. And the authority themselves 
is God's minister for the good. Right? So there's, what does that mean? Thomas is, is quoting uh, St. Paul here who gives us this insight. Your role as an authority on this earth at all the different levels that you have as the business owner, as the manager of people, as the executive vice president, right? Even in terms of, of what you're doing in, in public service, the, the police officers that are out there, the nurses that are out there, your authority is to be seen as a ministry. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? A ministry of what? He says, well, a ministry from God or of God. Yes, but what of God? It's the ministry of governance. This is something I want to really underscore because it's something we don't think about a lot today. We look at the government as somehow a bad thing, or government as an oppressive thing, or government as something that's all about punishment. When in fact, government is the, the gift of God to bring order out of chaos. And when order is brought into this world, things can function properly. Meaning, peace comes from order. This is the great quote that St. Uh, John the 23rd gave to us. He said, if you want peace, work for justice, right? Well, in the same way, that's exactly what we're doing. If you want happiness, well-ordered society, things that go well, then we need leaders out there because they are the ministers of God's order. This means that there's a path for that ministry that we need to take. We can't just lead in any old way. And if you go elsewhere in Aquinas and in Summa, he tells you how we're supposed to lead. A leader is supposed to look at what the thing is that he's leading and then take what that thing is and help that thing to develop itself according to its own laws and principles to be fulfilled. Okay, so if I'm managing a team of people, it means that I can't just manage human beings like I would manage robots or like I would manage ants or I would man, you know, it's like you have to look at what the thing is. A team of human beings, what motivates human beings? What is it that where they give the very best of themselves? What do the human beings need in order to do that? And I have to be humble enough to respect the nature of what it is that I'm managing so as to manage that thing towards its greatest excellence, its greatest good. As if, right, that, that requires an intense humility and an intense intelligence. But when I do it, I make myself share in the activity of God himself who is doing that exact same thing to me and to everyone else. In other words, I, I find greater authority in my leadership to the degree that I acquiesce myself to be a minister of God. My authority comes from my humility because, because my humility opens me to truth more effectively. And people respond to truth more than they respond to force. If I want my people to respect me, and we all do, what I need to do is be excellent about what I do. I need to be right. I need to be right all the time. And to be right, I need to be humble and intelligent, okay? So the real two aspects for Aquinas here to being the leaders that we want to be and that we can be, they come from two key roots, humility, and intelligence.
This is an awesome thing because a lot of you have come here because you're facing situations in your workplace that are intense and challenges in your workplace that you don't know necessarily the way out of. Right? So I want to show you the way out of them. To have the humility in front of what you're, you're dealing with, to respect it, and then to employ your intelligence enough to engage what the next steps are towards that thing, thing's authentic development. Okay? So I gotta know the people on my team. And I've gotta know them personally, I've gotta know them well, I've gotta know them from the inside, I've gotta watch what motivates them, I've gotta be more attentive to what I'm working with as a unit than I have to the, the problems that the unit is facing. Okay, this is like just an awesome way to look at it. And when I do that, the order of things will be restored. My job as a leader is to bring that order. This is why Thomas says that the goal of all leadership is the unity of peace, as he calls it, right? And he, the unity of peace is giving every part of that process, every person involved in that team, what they need in order to function and flow correctly. And so it's kind of exciting if you think about it. I mean, this is what being a leader is really all about. It's about serving the things that are underneath you, the people that are underneath you, in order to help them to reach their maximal performance. We therefore facilitate the greatness of others. We're the ministers of God, as God does towards us, allowing us to expand, fulfill ourselves, encouraging us in our own journey towards our own excellence. So we are to be to those who work for us and work with us. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. Now I can already hear you. You know, you're saying to yourselves, this is really hard and it entails so much sacrifice, so much challenge. You know, what's the reward? Why should I take this upon myself? Well, when you go back again to Romans 13, 4 where, and 5, where St. Paul mentions that we are the ministers of God, you know, the word that's used there in Greek is that not that we're a minister, but that we are a diakonos. A diakonos means a servant, right? It's where we get our word deacon from. A deacon is the servant of the table. But not just a servant of the table, the diakonos, right? It actually means, konos is dust in Greek. And so the, the etymology of servant here is the one who stirs up the dust. So as they scurry around doing things, they raise the dust because that's where they, they live and they work. There where it's nitty gritty. Isn't that interesting? So it's a little bit of a, of a different thing. So yes, we are a minister. It's a good translation, of course, into the Latin. But it's more than that in Greek. It's that we are a low-down, dirty minister. <laughs> Our job is to get down and dirty, folks. It, it's, it's really amazing. The other day, I was, I was at the store shopping for uh, something. Was, I think it was a Saturday night around 8 o'clock, and I was there at Home Depot shopping for new floor units to put in the, the center that we have here. And someone texted me and said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm shopping for floors. And then they texted back, you know, the glory of leadership, right? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I guess on Saturday night I had nothing else to do but to buy the floor, right? Low down and dirty, that's what we're supposed to be doing. What else would do? Ask Mother Teresa of Calcutta one time, 
what would you do if you weren't the, the prior general anymore? And she said, I think I would go and clean the toilets, right? <laughs> that, that's leadership. That's the spirit. Like, if I'm at the top of the enterprise, I'm at the top of the enterprise because I'm willing to be at the bottom. If you're not doing that, then you're missing something about your leadership. It's all about you. You're living not as God's servant, but for human glory. If you're not willing to go to the bottom of the enterprise, willing to do the dirty work, roll up your sleeves and get done, if you're not willing to do what you're asking your own people to do, then you're missing out on something in your leadership. Now, I'm not saying that you should do that. You have your other skill sets, you have your other things. But the willingness, do you think that you're better than them? If you do, you've got a problem in your culture. And I can guarantee it right now because your people are going to act in the same way. But if they don't, can't take the dignity of what they're doing, turning those bolts, you know, sweeping that floor and say that they are a minister of God, then you're missing out on an opportunity. How cool it would be if everybody on my team walked into work every day, confident in themselves to say that they're there to do God's work and that this world is gonna be made better because of them. I remember one time I talked to an owner of a maintenance company. They do cleaning of office buildings. And the guy's motto was, you know, the name of his company. Then he said, we, we clean up a dirty world. Right? I also remember I used to be a garbage man, believe it or not, before I became a priest. And, and being a garbage man, I remember how proud, how proud we used to say, we're not garbage men, we are sanitation engineers. Right? We clean up everyone else's mess. And it's true. I used to look back at the, from the back of the truck, look down that street, these long streets, you know, and see all the garbage picked up and realize that I had done that. And I used to be so proud because I'm like, where would we be without our sanitation engineers, right? What would this world look like if I missed my job? We'd have all kinds of problems. Yes, and that's the sense of dignity that, th that I in that lowly position had about my own ministry of God as I brought order to this world. The neat thing about this is that it can be applied everywhere. It can be applied into motherhood. It can be applied into fatherhood. It can be applied into everything that we do. I look at myself as a diakonos of God whose, diac dia whose service is there to bring order, to make things fulfilled. And Aquinas goes further, he quotes Wisdom, chapter 6, verse 4. And I went, now there I went to the Greek, because that's the original language it was written in. And it doesn't say that, that the minister or the leader is a diakonos, but instead that the leader is a huporetai. Huporetai. Now, what is that? So I look at this, and the retai is a rower. So the over-rower is the leader, meaning they're leading, but they're the lowest you can go. The rower in a galley, you would be as the leader or the king or the business owner. You need to look at yourself as the one who is the, the upper level of the rowers in a galley. <laughs> you can, I can see this kind of like deflates a lot of us, right? Because we thought, here I went and thought that I was the cat's meow because I went to Harvard or I went to, I did this or I did that. And like, you are the cat's meow. You are awesome. It's just that you're only awesome with respect to other people. When it turns, when you turn around and look at yourself with respect to God, you're really not that awesome. 
we're a bunch of dust, okay? Now, God wants to use your awesomeness. So with respect to others, I need to have that magnanimity and that sense that I am great and that I have a gift to give. With respect to God, however, I need to have a deep, deep humility to say, I am here at your service. That will keep me on the straight and narrow, number one, and it'll also give me the deepest sense of purpose. To go back to what we talked about at the very beginning, what is it that's going to make my leadership effective, strong, resilient, amazing? What's going, what is it going to be? What do I need to do in order to be not just an average leader, but a leader that makes it the distance and that explodes things, pivots, changes, and doesn't allow themselves to be beaten down? What I'm going to need is the humility to realize that I'm doing what I'm doing for God. That's why Aquinas goes and he, he says, you know, what's the reward for a leader, a, a Christian leader? And he says the reward for a Christian leader might entail physical blessings, but he's like, that doesn't change us from anything that's pagan, right? Even the pagans get physical blessings. And he quotes the Bible where it talks about Nebuchadnezzar, who was definitely not the king of Israel. He was the enemy, right? And that he was given these different rewards for the different things. And he says, well, you know, in the same way, so it's not physicality and physical goods, although we might get some of these blessings. He says the reward for leadership, neither is the praise that comes from human beings, which a lot of us think is the highest thing we could possibly get. He says the reward for leadership is God himself. This is a really important and profound statement because it explains to us how God treats us and what he expects from us. He expects that we love him, my friends. He calls us into this world not for the sake of our leadership, but for the sake of our friendship. What God wants from us more than anything else isn't daring incredible deeds or doing amazing things that have never been done. What God wants most of all from us is our heart. Where are you with respect to your friendship with Christ? Because he's going to be your reward. If you're doing all that you're doing for anything else, it is vain and it won't be lasting. But if you do it for love of Christ, never fades. It's something that lasts forever. And Aquinas will go on to show us, and we'll see this later on, that it's the source of the most dynamic and powerful leadership therein. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.